Josiah Stalsfus, and um, I get to serve on the council uh, here at Mosaic Church. And then oftentimes you probably see me back in the drums and I love playing drums. And this is a story about how I met Jesus and what it has meant to me in my life. And so my story uh, just really encompasses how I, I met Jesus at a young age and don't really know what it is like to live without him. And so I'm excited to share with you some of the journey that I've experienced to this point and just kind of walk through some, some major life events where I feel like God was with me and helped me through uh, making decisions and choices. And so the first event I'd like to talk about with you is um, my decision after high school of where I was gonna go and what I was gonna do with my life, knowing that that was a pivotal time. And so I began praying and asking God for, for wisdom, what to do after uh, my senior year in high school. I had two big choices to pick from. At the time I was in a band and the band wanted to pursue professional opportunities. And my other choice was pursuing college and, and starting a career that way instead. And so I prayed, I spent a long time in prayer asking God for wisdom. And I really felt like he was leading me towards uh, college. And once I made that decision, uh, it led to a full-time career that I still have today. In that time and in that moment for me, I felt like um, God gave me a lot of wisdom. Uh, he helped me through a really difficult decision I had to make early on in my lifetime. The second big event that I really experienced God's favor was um, meeting my wife, Nicole. Uh, for, for quite some time, uh, probably about two, three years, I was praying that God would bring the right wife into my life, uh, the right person to really challenge me and, and be that, that compliment and help and just best friend. And I have all those things in Nicole and I'm so grateful that uh, God brought Nicole into my life. I love you, honey. Happy early Valentine's Day to you. And not only did he bring her, but also three beautiful kids that we, that we have. And all of them have been an incredible blessing and something that God has, has truly blessed me with. And then the final thing is, is a little bit more recent and a little bit more painful, and that was just my journey with grief. Um, and so uh, September 2nd, 2019, my dad passed away from cancer. Uh, and he was 57 years old and battled it for two years. Um, and so, you know, oftentimes people say that, hey, like, why do bad things happen to good people? And you know, there could be a misconception that when you accept Jesus, your life is, is easy and good and everything works out. And I, you know, the Bible does say, when we go to heaven, we will have peace and we will have an experience of joy that we cannot um, have here on earth and that while we're here on earth we'll experience trials and difficulty and hardship and just going through this grief um, i've experienced those things of hardship and and just difficulty um, but i think the difference for me is that i've had god i've had the holy spirit as my comforter through those times and i can't imagine not having that in my life um, not only that but i know my dad uh, served and loved the Lord with all of his heart. And so I know he's in heaven. I know he's with God and he's in a way better place. He's in his permanent home. And so it really helped me to reevaluate what's important here on earth and what am I doing to prepare myself to go to my permanent home in heaven.
And so during this time, God has really brought the scripture to my heart. That has brought me a lot of comfort. And it's from Isaiah 40, 31. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And that's a verse that's really spoke to me, uh, brought me a lot of comfort to know in those times of weakness that God is my strength and He's there for me uh, to, to lift me up and to be those things that I'm not able to be on my own as I journey through grief. So thanks for listening today. Um, I know every journey is different, but I gotta tell you, I'm so thankful that Jesus is in my life. And I'm so thankful that um, He's been with me through everything that I've walked through and excited for what's ahead. Man, thanks so much, Josiah, for sharing your story. Uh, throughout the next couple weeks, uh, you're going to hear some more stories. And, and they're all over the map, which I love. You're going to hear people that met Jesus a little bit later in life. You're going to hear from people like Josiah that, that maybe, you know, have, have been walking with Jesus since, since before they can remember. And I love that because everybody's got a story and every single story matters. And it doesn't matter when or how you met Jesus, it matters was a miracle. And if you haven't met Jesus yet, then, hey, you got a miracle waiting for you. You know, a lot of times we look at, uh, you know, physical miracles and in and, and awe, but the fact that we can have a relationship with Jesus is the greatest miracle that you and I will ever experience. And so thanks to Josiah for doing that. Hey, listen, I know that we got a big game today and I know we're all, all excited about it. And uh, this is how dumb your pastor is. Um, I got to church and I was looking around at everybody and I was like, my shirt is blue. Um, and I literally didn't think about it until I saw everybody else. And so just, uh, just uh, pardon your absent-minded pastor today. Um, I really am not rooting for the Rams today. And so go Bengals. Um, you guys are awesome. Um, I did not grow up in Ohio, so maybe that's why it's not at the front of my mind. I grew up in Missouri. And uh, no, I was not a Chiefs or a Rams fan. I just, I just was there. Um, and so, uh, but hey, I'm excited for you guys today. And, but here's, here's, here's one thing. There's been some people that thought it would be cool to, to uh, be as excited for Jesus as they are about the Bengals and throw Gatorade on me today. And I just wanna tell you, if anybody rushes the stage with Gatorade, my security is standing by and they will tackle you. All right, Tom, Tom's got my back. And so, um, and if you don't get that, just uh, you missed the meme on Facebook, so that's okay. All right, so let's jump in. How I Met Jesus. Last week, we talked about Zacchaeus. This week, we're gonna talk about blind Bartimaeus, and so grab your notes. The cool thing about these two stories, last week and this week's, is they both happened in the city of Jericho, but incredibly different circumstances. Just like all the stories of people from our church that you're gonna hear over these next few weeks, these stories, two stories, could not be more different. And so last week, you know, we talked about um, uh, Zacchaeus, who was a rich tax collector. He was not hurting when it came to comfort or wants in this life, but he met Jesus. This week, we're talking about a poor beggar who not only was poor and a beggar, but he was blind as well. And so last week, a, wealth, a wealthy chief tax collector. This week, a poor beggar. Last week, um, you know, the, the, the character of the story was dependent on his own power and wealth, right? This week, the character is dependent on other people's generosity completely. Last week, you know, uh, Zacchaeus was initially prevented from seeing Jesus because he was so short. 
This week, the character was literally unable to see Jesus because he was physically blind. Last week, he tried to see Jesus, so he climbed a tree. This week, he wants to see Jesus, but he just can't. Last week, you know, Zacchaeus, when he meets Jesus, he says nothing. Jesus initiates the conversation. This week, blind Bartimaeus will see him crying out to Jesus. Last week, the crowd blocked Zacchaeus' way to Jesus, so he had to climb a tree. This week, same thing happens. The crowd tries to keep, literally is proactive about keeping Bartimaeus from seeing Jesus. Last week, Jesus told Zacchaeus what Jesus wanted. He kind of told him what was going to happen. This week, blind Bartimaeus tells Jesus what he wants. Last week, Jesus told Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house. But today, we hear Jesus say to blind Bartimaeus, your faith has saved you. And so I point out those differences to, to just remind you, your story doesn't have to look like everybody else's. It doesn't matter if you're on the side of the road begging or if you have everything that you could ever want. Number one, you still need Jesus. And number two, the differences in your story don't make it any better or less than someone else's, right? And so today we're in the same place. We're in Jericho. We're seeing a different kind of miracle, but both are miracles. Both people needed to meet Jesus. And so in the days of Jesus, Jericho was one of the most important cities of Palestine. It was one of the world's main commercial roads that ran right through the city, north to south, and the city was only about 17 miles from Jerusalem. And so at this point in Jesus's ministry, he's headed back towards Jerusalem, and, and Jericho is thought to be the oldest city in the world. Can you imagine the oldest city in the world? What does that tell us? I believe it's telling us today that Jesus is gonna go wherever you are. He's gonna go to the center of the marketplace, the center of our lives, the center of everything, and he's gonna get to where you are and he's gonna blow everything up that you thought was important in a good way. And so on the way through Jericho, Jesus meets Zacchaeus. On the way out of town, as he was leaving, on the outskirts of town, in the marginalized area where somebody would be rejected, he met a man named Bartimaeus. So we're in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Let's read the story all at once, and then we'll, we'll really dig into it this morning. It says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man and they said, cheer up, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And instantly 
the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Amen. Let's pray. God, I just pray that as we unpack your word today, as we unpack the story, that you just give us little pictures of how you want to show up in our life. God, show us as we unpack all these stories through the series, how each and every one of us, we need to meet you. And we don't need to just meet you once. God, we need, we need to meet you in a way that forever impacts and changes our lives. And so we put our lives in your hands right now. We lay everything we are at the foot of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So how did Bartimaeus meet Jesus? Let's fill in your notes today. They're also in the app. He took personal responsibility. He took personal responsibility. Now, right off the bat, this point might rub some of you a little bit wrong because you might look at it and say, well, he's blind. He's sitting on the side of the road. No one's caring for him. What does he have to take personal responsibility about? But in Mark chapter 10, 40, verses 46 through 47, it says a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So let's unpack this. Bartimaeus, his very name means son of Timaeus. So Bar means son of, and Timaeus was his father's name. And so even in his name, we see the circumstances of his life, that he didn't even have his own name. That would be like me calling my son Jason, son of Joe. And everywhere he goes, he just has to tell everybody, I'm Joe's son, because my dad didn't give me a real name, son of Joe. Another thing that he would have had to known because he was a Hebrew and most uh, Hebrews and Jews, they knew the, the original Mosaic law, the, uh, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible that outlined God's law to that people. And in Leviticus 25, it clearly states that God's people should look after impoverished people that are among them, Jews that are among them that are needy. And so here, blind Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road. His own countrymen aren't taking care of him. He has every reason in the world to be full of self-pity and to just be waiting on others to take care of him. But just like blind Bartimaeus, you and I, we're not gonna get to heaven or to the feet of Jesus on someone else's ticket or through someone else's effort. When we encounter Jesus, there are choices to be made. Which way are we gonna move? Are we gonna to move towards him? Are we gonna move further away? Are we gonna sit silently and just let him pass on by? No one could have stepped forward or yelled out for blind Bartimaeus. His blindness, forced him into the life of a beggar. And each and every day, he would come to the side of the road and beg for money. And so if anything was gonna change, if Bartimaeus was gonna break out of this life, he would have to do something. Now, what I want you to see in this is a lesson of maturity. It's a lesson of maturity that each one of us here this morning, regardless of the pain or the trials or your upbringing or whatever has happened in your life, we need to take responsibility for our lives. We need to quit blaming others, even if it's true that they caused you pain and that maybe what happened to you caused the initial tailspin of your life. I know that 
A lot of people have gone through unfortunate circumstances. They've found themselves in a place that, man, they just don't know how they're gonna get out of. And, to, and it's really sad that in our culture, the first thing that, that everybody wants to do is blame everybody else. And I know that some of us, we are exactly where we are because of the sin and of other people. But just because you find yourself there doesn't mean that you just can sit and wait for something to happen. Blind Bartimaeus had every right to just sit, but he didn't. He took responsibility for his own life. The truth of the matter is that it wasn't his fault that he was blind, but it was still his life to lead. Man, some of you find yourself in that place. It's not your fault where you're at. Life happened. But guess what? Just because life has happened to you doesn't mean that you don't still have a life that is yours to lead. Nothing and no one can ever take that from you. You see, the question isn't whether God cares about you. The question is whether we'll do what we need to do to get to Jesus. You think about it. Jesus came all that way. He came from his throne in heaven. He came from the the right hand of God. He had been with God since creation began. And he came to earth as a man. He had traveled for 30 years and now he had been doing ministry for years. And and so maybe he was around 33 years old, maybe a little over that. And he's on his way to Jerusalem to die on the cross for the sins of all humanity. So he'd come all this way. And what I love about Bartimaeus is Bartimaeus was not going to let his his chance pass him by. He wasn't going to let it happen. And you and I don't have to wait either. This is the miracle of today. This is the miracle of uh, this topic that we're talking about. How we met Jesus is that every single one of you can have this kind of moment where you meet Jesus. We need to avoid the temptation, though, of making excuses and pointing fingers. We need to be the type of people that will not just focus on how we got in the mess, but on getting the determination to do what it takes to get out of it. We need to follow Bartimaeus' example. You don't see blind Bartimaeus just sitting there blaming everyone. He didn't have time for that in this moment. The fact is that being in, in a rut, being stuck in a place because your circumstances is unfortunate. And that comes in all shapes and sizes, and that, but that's not the problem. Staying there is. Listen to what Paul challenges us to remember. In Romans 14, 12, he says, yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. And then in Matthew 5, 3, Jesus says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So you're hurting Stuff has happened, life has hurt you, people have hurt you. Hey, take responsibility and run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Number two, how did Bartimaeus meet Jesus? He trusted that Jesus was the answer to his problems. He trusted that Jesus was the answer to his problems. In Mark 10, 47, Bartimaeus cries out and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, by him calling Jesus the son of David, he was, he was putting faith in the prophecies of the Old Testament that someone from the line of David would come and be the savior. 
Bartimaeus might as well have been saying, Jesus, you're the savior of the world and I'm putting my trust in you. And so he's crying out to Jesus, have mercy on me. Listen, trust is a precious thing. And for too many people in our world because of bad leadership, we tend to not have trust in many people. And guess what? I'm a leader and I've, I've been a bad leader a time or two. And I've broken people's trust at a point, one point or another. It happens. And when people hurt you and, and when maybe you've, you've, the trust has been broken, it's, it's like, man, I don't know if I could ever trust anybody ever again. But it breaks my heart to see people run from trust their whole life because of the hurt that happened to them in their family or to themselves. There's a fallacy in that though. You know, and, and we get to this point where we think, I'm not gonna trust anybody until I really, really know them well. The problem is, you know, if we don't choose to trust, we'll never get close enough to really, really know them well. Blind Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus didn't know Jesus personally. He hadn't spent any time with Jesus. He had just heard stories about Jesus. He knew about Jesus. And just like blind Bartimaeus, I would encourage you today, don't let hurt keep you from taking a chance on Jesus. If you're a church person, you've been in church a long time and your faith is wavering, you're beginning to doubt the validity of God based on the actions of people. I just wanna encourage you with everything in my heart today, never stop trusting. Maybe your faith has been shaken, maybe doubts have started to creep in, but throw yourself on the mercies of God and don't stop trusting Jesus. Cry out. Even shamelessly cry out like blind Bartimaeus. Shamelessly cry out to a God that loves you so much and trust him with everything that you got. Why? Because you can't have a relationship with God if you don't trust him. Because relationships are built on trust. What's the third thing that we see Bartimaeus do? He ignored the naysayers. He ignored the people in his life that were trying to keep him from getting to Jesus. He was ignoring the people that said, hey, just shut up and stay over there. Mark 10, 48. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. I love his attitude. I love his tenacious spirit. Here's this blind man, not only blind, but a beggar, and he's attempting to get to Jesus. The rabbi who has the power to heal, to calm the waves, and on this day to help the helpless. So as Jesus approaches the people, whoever they were, the crowd tried to shut this guy up. They tell him to be quiet. They continue to marginalize this man and the problem that he is in. One thing that really just blows me away. We see no record here of the disciples, the people who had been walking with Jesus for the previous three years. We see no record of the disciples speaking up. Get this, the disciples, they're, the, they're the, the spiritual ones, the ones that have been with Jesus, the ones that Jesus has already sent out to do stuff and to speak in his name and to, to, to reach people and tell people to repent. And so here's the disciples in amongst the crowd traveling with Jesus, but no one creates a way for blind Bartimaeus to get to Jesus. And you think about it. 
Up to this point, the disciples had seen some pretty remarkable miracles. In Mark chapter one, Jesus drove out an evil spirit and healed a man with leprosy. In chapter two, he healed a paralyzed man. In chapter three, he heals a man with a shriveled hand. In chapter four, he calms the storm. In chapter five, he sets another demon-possessed man free and he raises a dead girl and he heals a sick woman, all in the same chapter. In chapter six, he feeds the 5,000 with little bread and less fish. And then, for good measure, he walks on water. We can keep going, and we're just at chapter six. And so you would think that by chapter 10, the disciples would have caught on that Jesus was here to seek and save lost people. That Jesus was here to heal and bind up the broken. A couple lessons that we need to to embrace from this. Don't be the one that stands in the way of someone else running to Jesus. Don't do it. Do whatever you can do to not get in the way of people meeting Jesus. The disciples should have known better. They shouldn't have been like the other townsmen and marginalized this poor man, but they did. And as Christ followers, as the church, our job is to remove the obstacles for the people looking for Jesus and not add to them. The only stumbling block church that people really need to wrestle with in coming to Jesus is the reality of the cross. Not our rules, not our views, not our preferences. The cross of Jesus Christ speaks for itself. And some of you might say, Joel, is that cheap grace? Or, or you, know, you know, isn't there? Yes, there's more. But in the message of, cross, of the cross, we find everything that we need. Why? Because the cross calls to you and to me and every person that is separated from God. And what does it say? It says, come and die. There's no extreme, there's no more extreme message on the face of the planet than the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus laid down his life on a cross and then he looks at you and me and he says, carry your cross. And so we need to remove all the other stumbling blocks, all the tradition, everything that we could ever put in front of the cross of Jesus Christ and say, just come to the cross. Because if people really meet Jesus and really surrender their lives and really say, God, I want to come and I want to lay my life down for you like you did for me. man, I believe that God will take care of the rest. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. We need to clear the path for people to find a life-changing relationship with Jesus. This is why here at Mosaic, you know, we say we want to be a three-chair church. We want this to be a place where unbelievers can come and find Jesus. We want it to be a place where new believers can come and grow in their relationship with Christ. And we want this to be a place where if you're a mature believer, hey, you still got something to eat too. What's the second lesson that we need to learn from the crowd? and from Bartimaeus. Don't let anyone stand in the way of you running to Jesus. Don't let anyone keep you from getting closer to God, not even yourself. I know that I'm my worst enemy sometimes, and I've got no one to blame but me. There will always be people who will try to distract and discourage you and get in your head. Go after Jesus anyway. You know, this is why we need to be careful of who we allow to have influence over your life. Listen, you and I, 
We have the relationship with Jesus that we want. And so once again, we got to take that personal responsibility. Number four, how did blind Bartimaeus meet Jesus? He was bold with his request. He was bold with his request. Mark 10, 49 through 51. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. Man, aren't you thankful Jesus stopped for you? Aren't you thankful that Jesus, you know, in your moment of weakness, in your moment of need said, here I am. Aren't you glad for the prodigal son when he went running home that the father was waiting with open arms? Jesus stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up. They said, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus said, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. I want to see. So before he was healed, Bartimaeus, he got, gets up and he goes to Jesus. And you got to remember, he's blind. And so the verse says that he throws his cloak aside. And I don't know about you, but for me, I would think that for a, a blind beggar, that's a pretty big deal, right? He throws his coat aside. What if he doesn't find it again? What if somebody takes it? It seems like an important thing to throw away. How could he find it if he was not healed? How would he replace it? That didn't matter. He was ready to be healed. He was ready to bust out of the circumstance that he was in, and he went running to Jesus. For you and for me, how do, how do we apply this? What bold thing can you do to tell yourself that you mean business with God? That you're serious about getting up and getting on with your life journey with Jesus? of getting out of the rut that you found yourself in, of getting out of the circumstances that have held you down, those chains that you've been wearing around and you just keep carrying them and carrying them and carrying them. What bold thing do you have to do to get out of it? What do you need to give up? What do you need to get rid of or adjust in your life to help propel you out of the place that you're in? Whatever it is, go for it. And just like Jesus is charged to Zacchaeus last week. It is today, quickly, now. It's time. This reminds me of, of Moses and the Pharaoh back in the Old Testament with the story of the frogs, right? I love the plagues. It's just, it's just fun to think about. And when I was a kid, I remember seeing the, the pictures on the flannel graph. Anybody know what a flannel graph is? And, and, and man, the imagination of, of an eight-year-old is just running wild seeing those things. It's so cool. The river turned into blood and locust and frogs. And it's like, and, and it's so cool, right? But you think about it. If there's frogs in your bed and frogs in, in your shower and frogs all over the house and all over the kitchen counter, uh, some of you got a little throw up in your mouth just thinking about it. And so Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron and basically tells them, hey, pray to God and tell him to take away these frogs, right? We're done. We're over it. So guess what Moses says? He says, you set the time. Moses tells Pharaoh, the one that God is persecuting, you set the time. Tell me, when you, when you want me to pray for you, your officials and your people, then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. They will remain only in the Nile River. And so this will blow your mind. What does Pharaoh say? He says, do it tomorrow. I don't know about you, but if I got frogs all over the place in my house, in my life, if I got all this junk and all this, it's slimy and, and I'm not waiting until tomorrow. 
One time my boys took a five gallon bucket out into the field and, and we lived on six acres and surrounded by cornfields and cornfields and cornfields and cornfields. And luckily we had a little woods there, but this one summer night, the temperature was just perfect. For whatever reason, the toads were out like crazy. And so they go out into the cornfield that um, didn't have any corn in it at that time. And, and they're picking up frogs. They bring them back to the house. They have no less than 60 or seven toads in this five gallon bucket. And the toads are all like trying to crawl up out of the bucket. And it was just creepy just looking in it. And you get the heebie-jeebies all over your skin. And it's like, oh, it's just, ah. Oh. And so you times that by like 20,000. And they're all over your house. And all over your skin. And just, eh. And you're going to say, do it tomorrow. Guys, this is the same kind of urgency that we need to create in our life. When all the sin is surrounding you and messing you up and messing your family up and messing your life up and you're in that rut and you're stuck and God says, hey, you set the time. When do you wanna be free? When do you wanna break out? When do you want things to be different? Don't make the mistake of saying, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Why not now? Why not now? And so then Jesus asked the question of all questions to Bartimaeus. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Now Bartimaeus knew exactly what he needed to get out of this rut. He needed to be able to see. He didn't ask God to give him money so he wouldn't be a beggar. He didn't ask God to give him a new home so he wouldn't be homeless. He knew what was holding him back. He was blind. He was in the rut that he was in because he couldn't see. Now for you, it might be different and you need to be honest with yourself and I need to be honest with me and do an assessment of where we're at and we need to know exactly what we need to get us out of the rut that we're in. But for many of us and for myself included, it's tough to differentiate between what we want and what we need. Can I get an amen? Tonight, it's gonna to be like, do I want poppers or do I want nachos? Do I want wings or do I want spinach artichoke dip? It's like, you know, we're not talking about these kind of things. No, what do we really need? Not what we want, what we need. And so we gotta to come to God boldly and say, God, this is what I need. In my life, the things that I want usually lead me to my ruts, to getting stuck, but getting what I need leads me out of them. And so what's your rut? Where are you stuck? And let's get honest. Maybe you're not being the parent that you're supposed to be. Ask God for help. Maybe you've gotten lazy in your marriage and it's starting to fall apart. Ask God for help. Maybe you have a lack of desire to faithfully serve Christ. Maybe ask God, to increase your passion for the things of God. Maybe you're struggling with discouragement. Maybe ask God to restore your joy. Maybe you're wrestling with insecurity. Maybe you cry out to God and say, God, let my self-worth be found in you and you alone. Maybe you're held back by fear. Maybe ask God to empower you with the power of the Holy Spirit and give you the boldness that you need. Maybe you're tangled up in a web of sin or addiction or something that's just really keeping your life from moving forward. Ask God to forgive you and help you make the right choices and then make extreme changes to remove the possibility of falling back into that. 
Be bold, whatever it is. Be bold. What's the fifth thing that we learn from how Bartimaeus met Jesus? We're going to sing a song in a moment. Actually, we're going to listen to a song and and reflect on this. But as we do that, I want you to think about what happened. He followed Jesus after the need was met. And this might seem kind of obvious. This might seem kind of like, well, yeah, who wouldn't? But I know that for you and I know for me, it's not always that obvious. In Mark 10, 52, it says, and Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, man, praise God, right? Man, we love the miracle. We love it. And man, I can't even imagine. We, we can't even understand most of us what it was like for Bartimaeus to not be able to see and then to see. The dude had to just have been beside himself, right? So he could see. And then it just tags the on. And he followed Jesus down the road. So here's Bartimaeus parked on the side of the road going out of Jericho. Who knows how long he'd been there? He might have been there his whole life. Might have been there a few years. We don't know. But what we know is that Jesus was leaving Jericho and so was Bartimaeus. All in the blink of an eye. In a moment, he was healed and he took off down the road following Jesus wherever Jesus went. He didn't say, hey, Jesus, where are you going? He just said, I'm coming with you. He had this this immediate obedience of saying, Hey, I'm going with him. Wherever he goes, I'm going. So the question for you and for me is, after Jesus opens your eyes, spiritually, what will you do? What are you gonna do? What will you see for the first time? When your eyes start to see the world as God sees it. What what is your heart gonna feel when your heart starts to beat for the same things that his beats for. Jesus isn't just here to meet your needs, but thank God he does sometimes. He's here to lead your life. He did all that so that we could follow in his footsteps. So he can model for us what it looks like to live for God. Some of you have experienced amazing provision over the years. Jesus met you where you were. He healed you. He redeemed you. But at some point, you stopped following him down the road. At some point, Jesus kept going and you stopped and built a shelter to yourself. You stopped and and just set up shop of just doing the same thing year after year and year after year. And so maybe there's some here today that have been following Jesus for 20 years, but you're just doing the same year over and over and over again. He's got grace. He's got more mercy. He's got more blessings than you could ever contain. But listen, church, we're not after just his hand. We're after his heart. We want to follow him wherever he goes. We need to move from a scarcity mindset to just getting what we want from Jesus to an abundance mindset. You see, a scarcity mindset says, I'm scrapping for whatever I can get, and I just want what I can get. An abundance mindset says, I'm resting in, and I'm walking with, and I'm trusting Jesus wherever the road 
takes me. Whether I have a lot or little, he's enough. You see, the blind beggar got his sight and he used it to follow Jesus. Amen? What will you do with your second chance? What will you do? When you pick up your head from the junk of this life and you cry out to God and he gives you a second chance, what are you going to do with it? Are you gonna take responsibility or are you gonna blame others? Are you gonna trust him with everything that you have? Are you gonna ignore the naysayers and, and just push through the crowd to get to Jesus? Are you gonna be bold? Are you gonna do what no one else is doing so that you can experience what no one else is experiencing in your relationship with God? Are you gonna follow him after the miracle? Man, my prayer is that when we meet Jesus, we then experience a lifetime of miracles. Because every day that you follow Jesus, he's worth it, he's enough, and, you, and man, we gotta get to this place where we never wanna be anywhere else, church. And so where are you at today? If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. Do you need Jesus? Do you need Jesus? Maybe it's, it's your first time to meet him. Maybe you're, you're, you're like that person that I talked about that's been, you, man, you met Jesus a long time ago, but you stopped following him a long time ago too. Where are you at? And there might be some of you that for whatever reason today, it's time for you to meet Jesus. Maybe for the first time or again, if that's you, just raise your hand today. Say, that's me. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. And during this song, as we listen to it, I just want you to pray a prayer of acceptance, accepting Christ into your life. Put your trust in him that he died on the cross for you, that he rose again on the third day. And then ask him to help you as you follow him. And then also, if you're on a prayer team today, I want you to go ahead and come to the front. Um, and if you're scheduled for the prayer team, if you're one of our uh, board of directors or elders, um, I also want you to come to the front and uh, be ready to pray. If um, you're not scheduled on the prayer team, but you're on the prayer team, uh, come on up across the front. And during this song, if you have any reason in your life that you need to meet with Jesus, you got a need, an outstanding need that you just need prayer for, if you, got, if you need to meet Jesus literally, like you need to give him your life. Anything that you need. There's nothing special about the people up here, but hey, they love Jesus too. And sometimes just having a friend pray with us is such an amazing thing. And so I would just encourage you to make the journey like blind Bartimaeus did and walk through the crowd and meet with Jesus today. Because Jesus says where two or three are gathered, he's right there in the midst of them. That's a promise from his word. And so like I said, there's nothing special about coming up front. Jesus can meet you anywhere. We see that, that from these two stories. But maybe today, you need to do something bold and dramatic. And so we're gonna listen to this song. And so if you're gonna stay in your seat, I encourage you to, to close your eyes and reflect or read the words on the screen. Maybe you need to come and get prayer. But let's, let's spend a few moments reflecting on what God wants to do in our life today. Amen? Amen. Let's do it. Every time I try to make it on my own, 
Let the Holy Spirit just lift you today and know that it doesn't matter where you've been or where you're going. Jesus wants to meet you there. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.